0: Plus, the Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere. While traveling, working out, walking the dog, doing chores, Audible makes listening anywhere easy.
1: And best of all, Check the Locks listeners can try Audible for free for 30 days. So head over to audibletrial.com slash Locks or click the link in the show notes to start enjoying Audible today.
0: Warning. Check the Locks podcast is a true crime podcast and may contain graphic descriptions of violence, murder, sexual assault, and more. Check the Locks podcast is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised.
1: Welcome back to Check the Locks podcast. As always, I'm John Connor.
0: And I'm Olivia Cornu.
1: Saying thank you for joining us this week as we dive into another truly terrifying true crime case. Olivia, last week was my episode. It is your episode this week. You gave me a little sneak peek as to who you were working on, like we usually do. I am super excited. But before we jump into it, how are you doing? This is a late night recording session. It is about seven minutes shy of 12 a.m. right now. Uh, so how are you doing? I know I'm struggling to keep it together. Are you at the same kind of plateau as I am currently?
0: I just want to let y'all know that I am up about mm, four hours past my bedtime. It is now the witching hour in my house where the animals decide to go rogue. Um, so we're just going to kind of deal with that as we go as we're recording the podcast. Tonight. But overall, I'm doing pretty good. How's your week been?
1: been pretty good as always i always look forward to recording this podcast so thank you for burning the midnight oil with me if there was anybody i had to be up with doing a podcast at midnight i'm glad that it's you wouldn't choose anybody else so
0: well that's good to know that sounds like job security
1: it is definitely job security and listeners just you know this one might get a little weird because again it is very late so (laughs) hang in there with us olivia again you sent me a little sneak peek Super excited to hear about it, but why don't you tell the listeners at home, who are we going to be talking about this week?
0: This week, we're going to talk about the Black Widow, who is Stacy Ruth Castor.
1: Ooh, okay, so Black Widow, it's a lady. I think mm-hmm. I know what's going to happen. I think Black Widows eat their mates, if I am correct. So again, super excited. I'm already intrigued. Should we just go ahead and jump on into it?
0: Oh, absolutely, yes, and t- you are correct. A black widow, when she is done mating, will kill her mate.
1: Am I right, ladies? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Stacy Ruth Caster was born in Clay, New York, on July twenty fourth, 1967. Her parents were Jerry Daniels and Judy Eaton. Stacy met her first husband, Michael Wallace, when she was just 17 years old in 1985. Some say that Stacy knew right away that she would marry Michael when she first met him. Stacy and Michael then married five years later. she was employed by a dispatch company and her husband was a mechanic. The couple had their first daughter Ashley in 1987 and shortly after had their daughter Bree in 1991. However, tension grew between the couple reports say that Stacy felt that she was just going through the motions and having children. Stacy felt that Michael showed favoritism towards their younger daughter Brie. Because of this, Stacy developed a very tight relationship with her daughter Ashley, referring to her as her best friend. She felt that this close bond would help Ashley not to feel left out because she has said that Ashley was very aware of the difference in the bonds that she had with her dad versus the bond that Michael had with their daughter Bree. Over the course of the years, Michael and Stacy began to struggle in their marriage. Michael, who was noted to be the life of the party, had at times used drugs and drank way too much. There was also speculation that the two had both had affairs. 11 years into their marriage, Michael, who was 38, became extremely ill around the Christmas holiday in 1999. He was noted to be extremely tired all the time and family members just said that he was unsteady and that he seemed to appear drunk when they were around him. They also noted him having a cough and he appeared to be really swollen and inflamed all the time. His family encouraged him to seek medical attention, but ultimately he died suddenly at home in January of 2000. Ashley, who was 11 at the time, witnessed him become unresponsive on the couch. The doctors ruled his death from a heart attack. Michael's sister, Rosemary, requested an autopsy as she felt like they needed true answers as to what was wrong with Michael the few weeks prior. Stacy, being his wife, was the legal next of kin and ultimately refused to consent to the autopsy.
1: That's weird to me. That's weird that your husband has been sick over this period of time and then just suddenly dies and you won't consent to an autopsy. I've never been in that situation, so I don't know if that's a normal thing that happens, but just going through the notes and following along with you as we go through the story, it seems a little off.
0: Absolutely. If my husband, you know, this theoretical husband I have, if my husband was sick and his family had noticed that he, his, his appearance was different, that he was kind of unsteady on his feet. And this man's 38 years old. He's not old. I mean, he's old like you, but he's not old. He is just not quite right. Go ahead you can say something.
1: Sick bird, sick bird, bro.
0: <laughs> but he's 38 at the time. And so his family's noticing that he's not right. They're encouraging him to seek help. And see what's going on. So obviously something was happening in the weeks prior. And then for him to just suddenly die, the doctors claim it's a heart attack. And then she's like, okay, well, I got all the answers I need. I don't need, I don't need an autopsy.
1: So let's say, hypothetically, you were married to your childhood crush, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and mm-hmm. suddenly he became ill and then passed away very suddenly. You would want an autopsy of Dwayne the Rock Johnson, correct?
0: Right?
1: 100%, yes. Okay, just wanted to make sure.
0: After the death of her husband Michael Wallace, Stacy married David Castor in 2003. David owned an air conditioning company where Stacy later became his office manager. In August of 2005, just two years after Stacy and David married, she notified the police that David did not show up to work at their office. Stacy got worried when he didn’t answer her phone calls. She told police that David locked himself in his room with a bottle of booze after they had an argument. Stacy also claimed that David was depressed. Police arrived at their home, kicked in the bedroom door to find David's lifeless body. He was only 48 at the time. In the bedroom, police noticed a bottle of antifreeze and a half-empty glass with bright green liquid in it. The medical examiner reports that David Castor had committed suicide through a self-administered lethal dose of antifreeze, or ethylene glycol. That is until crime scene investigators found Stacey Castor's fingerprints on the glass with antifreeze. While detectives continued to search the caster's home, they discovered a turkey baster in the bottom of the trash can. DNA samples showed Stacy's fingerprints on the bulb and David's DNA near the tip. Police thought if David did in fact commit suicide, using a turkey baster was an odd way to administer it versus just drinking it from the glass.
1: Yes, I am with the police on that one, because I feel like if you were going to drink something like ethylene glycol or antifreeze, you would almost want to take it as a shot and like just get it down like as quickly as possible. The only reason I could think maybe a turkey baster is just depending on like the size of the, bo- I don't know if you ever tried to pour antifreeze in your car, but it I've gotten it everywhere before. So I don't know if it's, you know, it's just easier to get in the bottle to get it in the glass, but it is extremely strange that her fingerprints are on the glass and on the turkey baster. So I think I have a sense of where this is going, but I'm very intrigued to see how it plays out.
0: As police became more suspicious of David Castor's death, wire tappings were placed in the home, along with cameras overlooking the grave sites of Stacy's now two deceased husbands. So I think right here, I'll just go ahead and tell you that during my research, I found that she um, buried Michael and David very close to each other at a cemetery. So police felt that if Stacy truly cared about her husbands, that she would visit the grave sites, which she never visited.
1: That's a smart move by detectives because I would never think to be like, well, yeah, let me see if I can put surveillance cameras up over a grave and see if she shows up there. I mean, I get like the wiretaps and everything, but we've gone through a lot of cases so far, and that's one of the most creative things I think we've talked about detectives doing. So that's very cool.
0: Yeah, it says that they wanted to watch her behaviors if she were to show up, but she never did.
1: Right. Someone who's gone through like great loss or some kind of trauma, there's usually a set of behaviors, you know, the, what is it? The five stages of grief or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't know acceptance,
0: much denial. Those are the only two I know.
1: Deny some more. Deny <laughs> some that you're more. Denying.
0: Anger. I get, I get a lot of it.
1: I think anger is one of them. Yeah. yeah. But, but it makes sense. Like if you've gone through some kind of crazy trauma or loss, you would expect that person to kind of adhere to those steps.
0: Yeah, and just feel defeated. And you could, you would see the body language and the emotion on her face if she were to have shown up and really felt that she was mourning the loss of her second husband at such a young age.
1: Yeah, it's crazy to be that young and to have two husbands who have passed away.
0: Police felt that Stacy had some involvement in the deaths of her two late husbands. But to build a case, Michael Wallace's body would need to be exhumed. A judge gave the approval, and Detective Dominic Spinelli had Michael Wallace's body exhumed. Days later, the medical examiner confirmed that Wallace's body was laced with calcium oxalate crystals. This suggested that Michael was also poisoned with antifreeze or ethylene glycol. So kind of as a side note, when ethylene glycol is ingested, it will form crystals within our organs and they never go away. So by them exhuming Michael's body, they were able to look at the tissues and see that these crystals were all formed and still in his organs.
1: We actually just took a look at some Google images of calcium oxalate in tissue on slides. So it's definitely (laughs) worth a Google. It is very like psychedelic almost. It looks like as well, we have a lot of them here in Tennessee, but like you'll find rocks that when you crack them open, they have crystals inside and I believe they're called geodes. But it's a very similar look to that, but just on a microscopic level, which is, it's pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, and it's crazy to me that they stay, that they just never go away. But it makes sense. If it crystallizes within your body, then there's not going to be anything that washes it away because it just builds up the toxin within the tissues.
1: Yeah, it's very crazy.
0: Now, knowing that Michael's death was caused by ethylene glycol and David Castor's supposed suicide by ethylene glycol, police began to build their murder case against Stacy Castor. About two years after David's death, Stacy found out about Michael's body being exhumed. She was worried that the police were starting to think she was guilty. Stacy, paranoid, developed a plan to set up her best friend and daughter, Ashley, by framing her for the murders of her father, Michael, and stepdad, David.
1: Mother of the year award. Goes to Stacy Castor. Absolutely awful.
0: Ashley was informed of her father's autopsy reports, confirming that he was killed by ethylene glycol and not a heart attack. Ashley, upset, visited her mother to discuss the horrific news. She had alcoholic drinks with her mother and later reports that she thought that the drinks had an odd taste. Seventeen hours after meeting with her mother, Brie, Ashley's younger sister, found her comatose in her bed. Stacy called 911 and Brie left her sister's side momentarily. When Brie returned, she saw a handwritten suicide note. In this note, Ashley claimed to confess to the murders of her father, Michael, and her stepfather, David. A toxicology report revealed toxic levels of painkillers in Ashley's system. Thankfully, Ashley pulled through and was eventually questioned by the police about the letter she left behind. Ashley had no idea about the letter the police were suggesting she wrote. Her last memory was having cocktails with her mom, and Ashley denied writing the letter or attempting suicide. So can you imagine being in a coma, one, or heavily sedated we should say, and then waking up to the police at your bedside accusing you of, one, committing suicide, and two, writing a letter that you killed two of your fathers. Like, I can relate to this a little bit, not in the sense that I've ever been comatose on pain pills, but I have two dads, and if I were to awaken and I have police investigating me, like, hey, man, you left this letter saying you killed both of your dads, I would be, like, in shock.
1: Yes, it is an insane premise to think that you slip into a coma again or a deep sedated sleep, and then you're being questioned for murder. As you were going through, my first thought was like, okay, Stacy, this is number three, right? Like you're developing a pattern here. But as I thought about it and we talked about the police questioning, I was like, oh, well, it would make sense like to an outsider. Yes. It happened to her father, her stepfather. And now like, did she do it to herself? But it just seems unlikely that a girl of her age at 11 would be like, I'm going to poison my dad with antifreeze. You know what I mean? I don't even know how an 11-year-old would know to do that.
0: Or even know what antifreeze is. I don't even think I right. learned what that was until I started driving.
1: Yeah. At 11, you can't even say ethylene glycol. I'm old, as you always tell me. And I had to ask you how to say it like three times today. So
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're pretty old. Burn. Stacy was arrested in September 2007, just days after Wallace's body was exhumed. Police were able to confirm that Ashley's suicide letter was a forgery and created while Ashley was away at school. Stacy continued to claim her innocence and Ashley testified against her mother, stating that she did not write the letter nor kill her two fathers. Castor's attorneys argued that Ashley, who at the time was 11 years old, had motive to kill her father, Michael, because she was jealous of his and Bree's relationship. Prosecutors examined Stacy who claimed that Ashley's only reason for killing Michael and David was because she was mentally ill. They claimed that if Stacy felt her daughter was mentally ill, she would have sought out counseling for her. Prosecutors felt that if Stacy was truly innocent and had lost two husbands tragically, she would have reacted to Ashley's comatose body sooner than 17 hours. On February 5, 2009, Stacy was found guilty of second-degree murder in the poisoning death of David and an attempted second-degree murder for overdosing her daughter Ashley with drugs and vodka. With the courtroom full, most were focused on Castor. She waited with her eyes closed as the judge read the jury's guilty verdicts. Her lead defense attorney announced that Castor would appeal the verdict, including challenging the inclusion of evidence regarding the death of her first husband, for which Castor had not been charged.
1: Now, you're not a fan of scary movies, am I right in that?
0: Not really. I have watched a handful of them because my stepdad really enjoys scary movies. And I felt like I was the only one in the house that would sit and participate in watching them. Okay. So as a child, I was forced to watch scary movies, but I'm not a fan of them today.
1: So I'm a big fan. My wife is not. So I have to kind of watch them by myself, but there is a movie that came out in 2012 called sinister and people who are listening. If they're into horror films, they may know about this, but Essentially, the film is about kids who kill their families, right? They get possessed and kill their family. Spoiler, the movie's been out since 2012, so sorry if I ruined it for you. But one of the kills is this family is sitting around having a pool party, and like an 11-year-old kid puts antifreeze in like all their lemonade. And so as we were going through, I was like, oh, I wonder if that's where they pulled this from or some kind of uh, inspiration from, because it's just... It seems like such a crazy thing to just be like, oh, I could do this. You know what I mean? Or, again, to even think that, like, an 11-year-old kid would just be like, yeah, let me grab some antifreeze because I'm mad my dad hasn't given me as many hugs as my sister. Like, I I just have a really hard time trying to understand why anybody would use that as a—and I'm sure there's some 11-year-old kids out there who've done terrible things, but I'm sure it's not very common. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, an 11-year-old girl isn't going to just go and poison her dad with antifreeze.
1: Right. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you can definitely tell that she has this air about her that, like, I'm smarter than everybody else. Like, I'm going to get away with this because I'm I'm smarter. They won't figure it out, you know?
0: On March 5th, 2009, at Castor Sentencing, Assistant DA Christine Garvey asked Judge Fahey to impose the maximum consecutive sentences because of the brutality of David's death. Garvey also criticized Castor for her behavior as she had partied in her backyard with friends like nothing was happening as Ashley was comatose in her room. Garvey continued, she is cold, calculated, and without any emotion for what she has done. Human life is sacred. Stacy Castor places no value on human life, not even her own flesh and blood. To Stacy Castor, human beings are disposable. Also, during the sentencing, Ashley Wallace made an impact statement towards her mother, Stacy. I never knew what hate was until now. Even though I do hate her, I still love her at the same time. That bothers me. It is so confusing. How can you hate someone and love them at the same time? I just wish she would say sorry for everything she did, including all of the lies. As horrible as it makes me feel, this is goodbye, Mom. As hard as you tried, I survived, and I will survive because now I'm surrounded by people that love me. I'm going to do good things in this world despite making me, in every sense of the word, an orphan.
1: That's a brave kid.
0: Yeah, I mean, she's an adult at this time. You know, she's going through these emotions of, one, she's lost her dad. Then her mother brings in another man when she's young. She loses that man as well. And these these guys are young. You know, they're 38 and 48 when they die. And then she is poisoned by her own mother. And then being accused by her mother or set up by her mother that she's the one who murdered them. Like, that is not a mother's love.
1: Well, what's crazy is she was born in 1987. So she would be two years younger than me. So old, but not that old, right? But the sentencing was in 2009. So it would have only made her 22 at the time. So for this 22-year-old kid just to get up and be able to address her mom in that way, I don't know. It's, it just seems like it's very brave, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's how she, she's just saying how she's feeling. Like, she, it's her mom. You just automatically love your mom as a child. And then to feel this anger and hatred towards someone that you love so much and that is supposed to be the most supportive and loving and nurturing person to you the person who gave you life i i I can't even imagine
1: and especially if you didn't have any suspicion up until that point like imagine if this girl was just like i don't know what's going on i've lost my dad and my stepdad and now his body's been exhumed and it wasn't a heart attack. And then all of a sudden you're in a coma for 17 hours. Cause this person that you've loved your whole life. And is like your quote, best friend is like, oh, I can't go to jail for this. So I'm going to pawn it off on my daughter.
0: Yeah. That's just wrong. Just wrong. A special
1: kind of evil for sure.
0: Absolutely. Stacy Castor was sentenced to maximum of 25 years to life for the murder of David Castor and an additional 25 years for attempted murder of her daughter and best friend, Ashley Wallace. Judge Fahey said Stacey was guilty of the most reprehensible crimes he'd ever seen. He stated that in his 34 years in the criminal justice system as a lawyer and a judge, I have seen serial killers, contract killers, killers of every variety and stripe, but I have to say, Miss Castor, you are in a class all by yourself. That's harsh. Mm-hmm. I mean, True. It was revealed several years after Stacy's arrest that her method for murdering Michael was poison, specifically with various cocktails of antifreeze fed to him slowly over a period of months. So to say that Michael Wallace died a slow, agonizing death at the hands of his wife is not an understatement. Not at all. Castor claimed her innocence and appealed her case for years. Her final attempt at appeal was in 2015. She died in June of 2016 of a heart attack. Even though she was only tried and convicted of the murder of David and attempted murder of Ashley, family and authorities feel that Stacy was responsible for the death of her father, Jerry Daniels. Plot twist.
1: Jeez, there's another one? hmm See, these are the things that I like about your cases, right? Because this reminds me very much of the Antoinette Frank case hey, by the way, she did all this terrible stuff. And at the end, you're like, hey, and let me tell you about how she killed her dad and has never been charged for it. This is the second father killing where we're just like, it happened. I don't know what to, you know, we can't do anything about it. So.
0: Oh, just wait.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hit me with these details.
0: Jerry Daniels was hospitalized in 2002. And so this is happening right before she married David Castor because she married him in 2003. Her dad was hospitalized for some sort of lung ailment. It was reported that Jerry was getting better and close to being discharged from the hospital. But the day after a visit from his daughter Stacy, Jerry Daniels suddenly dies. Family members say that during the visit, Stacy had brought an open can of soda for her father to drink. After his death, Stacy had her father's remains cremated and she was also the executrix of his estate. So now we have her murdering her first husband murdering her father, and then murdering her second husband, and then attempting to murder her child.
1: I definitely understand why they call her the Black Widow.
0: Mm-hmm. When she's done with them, she's done.
1: I can't wait to get into the Deadbolt test because I do have what I feel like is a personal connection. So I don't know, should we just jump into it? Because I have something that I want to share with you and the listeners.
0: Yeah, and go for it.
1: This one's crazy. So I know last week I did a seven. I'm i I'm going to be hanging at a seven again. and. The reason for that, and I want to make sure I put this out there, that these conversations are all completely in jest like married couples have. But oh, no. <laughs> My wife has done the Citizens Police Academy. <laughs> and part of the Citizens Police Academy is they take you and you, you know, practice with a firearm. And she came home, and I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast before, but she came home and all of the shots were dead center in the middle of the target. And me jokingly said well, I know why we're not going to own a gun because I'll forget to do the dishes and I will be the target. There'll be six dead center, or I'll forget to take out the trash or come in late and you'll be like, Oh, intruder. You know what I mean? So again, very much in jest and in joking, she said, listen, if I was going to do anything like that, I would poison you slowly over time. And so as we were going through this story, as we were going through the story, I'm like, Oh, I guess people actually do that. So, um, not that I think that she would ever, ever do that. And I don't, you know, I don't think it's even a question, but the fact that somebody that you love, you marry, you buy a home with, you have children with, and then just one day they decide that, you know, they're going to start spiking your drink with antifreeze and, and just kind of watch you deteriorate over the course of months. And, like, know what they're doing to you is is terrifying to me. And then to be like, oh, I'm just going to do the same thing to my daughter and try to pawn it off as if she did it. And, again, I know that I mentioned this last week, but I think that, you know, we've noticed some common trends or themes. And it's that, like, living with someone, trusting that person, and then just finding out that they're a monster inside. You know what I mean? It's, it's very scary to me. So I'm going to hang tight again. Second week in a row, I'm giving it a seven.
0: All right, I like it. And I i don't think Kara will ever, ever, ever poison you slowly. She'd do but it fast. She would do it fast, yeah. <laughs> but that's not to say that wives don't do it out there, because obviously uh, Stacy did. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, I think I'm going to put it at about a six myself. You know, I don't have any real relation where I've ever been told that, you know, someone was going to poison me slowly, but... I think it goes back to the trust factor the trusting of okay like you're my spouse you're my mother just the betrayal the betrayal that she opposed on two husbands her own father and her own daughter and thankfully ashley you know lived to tell the tale um so yeah i'm gonna leave it at about a six
1: ashley walked away but you know with what you were just talking about too it's like the idea of like it doesn't even necessarily have to be a wife you know what i mean it could be a roommate. It could be a friend. It could be the idea that somebody wants to end your life and they're going to do it slowly. I would imagine. And as we've gone through the story, you know, you talked very plainly about how, you know, Michael was swollen and slurring words and like there was something wrong with him. You know what I mean? Like those are things that you notice. So as a loved one or a friend or a mother, how you could just do that is incomprehensible to me. Like I just, I don't get it. So it sounds like we're about even, which is cool. Cause I know last week, you know, I was at a seven, you were at a two. So I like when we're kind of in line, it makes me feel like, okay, like, Ooh, this one shook us both a little bit.
0: Yeah. But last week's episode, the shock factor was a 10 for me. It just wasn't check my deadbolts, you know? So this case was one that I wasn't really familiar with and I just kind of happened to stumble upon it, but there is uh TV shows and lifetime movies. And I think 2020 has done, um, A story about it when it first was happening. And I think they did it again. So there's definitely some, some TV shows and stuff out there about it. If our listeners wanted to, you know, dive in a little bit deeper and, you know, get down in the nitty gritty of all the details. Um, But yeah, this one was very disturbing to me.
1: Yeah. I'm sure that, you know, a story like this, you can find a lot of documentaries and dramatized versions. Not that the true story isn't dramatic enough, but I imagine there's plenty of stuff out there if you want to dive a little bit deeper, but that is where we fall on the deadbolt test this week. Olivia is at a six. I'm coming in at a seven. But we want to know where does this land on your deadbolt test? You can let us know by reaching out on the socials. We are on Instagram at Check The Locks Pod, Twitter at Check The Locks. The show notes for this episode, you can go in, click the link, join our Facebook group. I say it all the time: best place on the internet we are in there hanging out every day. Everyone is so nice to each other. It's it's crazy to be part of a group on the internet where you just are like, I like everybody here and nobody's being mean to each other and just lifting each other up. It's it's really, really cool.
0: Yeah. It's really nice to have a safe space on social media, I will say. And I really enjoy our listeners.
1: Yeah. I mean, everybody there is just amazing. And I you know we haven't seen one person be rude to anyone or anything of that nature. And like you said, on the internet, that is just not something that you run across very frequently, you know, so thank you to everybody who participates in the group. And if you would like to join that community, if you'd like to interact with us and the other members, go into the show notes, click that link. We would love to have you as part of the Check the Locks family. Olivia, I need a palate cleanser that is not anti-freeze after that story. I think we should read a five-star review. What do you think?
0: Yeah, let's read a five-star review. Do you have a voicemail for me this
1: week? I don't. I don't have a voicemail. Guys, if you want to leave a voicemail, head over to checktheloxpod.com. There's a little voicemail icon on the page. You can click it, leave a voicemail. Additionally, if you want a little cheat code, you can go into the show notes and there is a link to leave a voicemail right in the show notes as well. So join the Facebook group. Leave us a voicemail. We want to hear from you. What did you think about this week's episode? And every week that we don't have a voicemail, Olivia gets sad. And that's my friend. I don't like seeing my friend sad. so. (laughs) leave us a voicemail so we can play them on the show, but we still love doing these five star reviews too. So
0: yes, they make me happy too. This week's five star review is from Melly 1974. They said, you two are doing an amazing job with your podcast. Honestly, unsure how I fell upon it, but so thankful I did. You are actually my first podcast that I've ever listened to sitting on the edge of my seat for a lot more episodes. That's awesome. Melly. I'm so happy that we're your first podcast. Like, that is so cool to me.
1: And I definitely agree. Melly, so happy that you are enjoying the show. And, you know, Olivia, I don't know if you know this, but there's something like four billion podcasts out there. So the fact that, like, out of all the podcasts that Melly could have landed on for her first show, we're that show. It is truly an honor. So thank you, Melly, for listening and leaving the review. It means so much to us. And again, just so cool. I, I don't even have words for it. It's awesome.
0: Yes. Yeah, so thanks, Melly, for reaching out and letting us be your first podcast experience. Super cool. I'm so excited about that. That Trump's not having a voicemail just by you reaching out, leaving us that five star view and listening to us for the very first time in your podcast experience. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Yes. Thank you again so much. And Melly, we would love to send you some stuff just to say thank you for leaving the review. We've got stickers we've got buttons we've got magnets i was actually thinking about making a pee out your potassium sticker we have t-shirts i don't think anybody's gotten them because it is literally a giant banana that is urinating that says pee out your potassium i think it might be better on a sticker but Look out for those. But Melly, we would absolutely love to send you something. Hit us up on the socials. Again, that is Instagram, Check the Locks Pod. Twitter, Check the Locks. You can message us in the Facebook group. If you are not a social person, totally understand. Head over to Check the Click that email button. You can send us an email and let us know where to send it. We will get you some gifts out. Olivia, if somebody wants to have their five-star review read on the podcast, what do they need to do?
0: Hop on over to the Apple Podcast app, go to our Check the Locks homepage, scroll all the way to the bottom, click all five of the stars that you see, write us a review, tell us what you think. We'd love to hear from you guys. So make sure you hop on over to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a five star review.
1: That's right. Head over to Apple Podcasts, click those five stars, leave us a review, let us know what you think of the show. Again, I know we've talked about this before, but every review helps. It's going to help us get into recommendations. When people are listening to other podcasts, it's going to get us in front of more people, help our community grow. So it is more valuable than you know. If you've already left us a review, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We cannot tell you how appreciative we are. We love you guys. Thank you so much. If this is your first time listening or you've listened to a bunch of episodes, you haven't submitted a review. Please do it because it's going to help us. And number two, when we read it on the show, we're going to send you some free stuff. So thank you. That is it for episode number 16. We're officially closer to 20 than we are to 10. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're moving, Olivia. I'm feeling good about it. I'm excited when we get to be like, this is episode 100. You know what I
0: mean? It seems like that's going to be here tomorrow. It's going by so, so fast. But yes, we do love our listeners. So let us know what we can do for you. Give us suggestions for cases. We love to hear from you guys. So thank you, as always, for listening.
1: Yeah, and leave us a voicemail so Olivia can have some excitement in her week. You can't see her right now, but she's pounding. This is an audio medium, so visual gags <laughs> where they can't see them. So I'll describe it. <laughs> Olivia's got the bottom lip out. She's like, please send me a voicemail. So go to the show notes, go to the website, leave us a voicemail. That is it it for this week's episode we will see you guys next week for another truly terrifying true crime case but until then don't forget to check the locks see ya